Hi folks, Neil here. We want to help answer all your questions about Paris. That's why you can listen to this episode in the Circa app for iPhone and get all the show notes, pictures, maps, and links you need to find everything we tell you about in this Paris guide. Best of all, in the Circa app, you can message a Circa concierge and you can get any question about Paris answered by real people right here. The best way to visit the Eiffel Tower, how to use the metro, where to find an absolutely beautiful brasserie right now in any neighborhood. We're giving you a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, no AI ever. And for a limited time, it's completely free. The Circa Travel app is available in the App Store right now or at circatravel.com. Welcome to Circa. This is the second episode of a two-part guide to everything art in the City of Lights. There will be maps, notes and info on the places mentioned in this episode in the Circa app, as well as all the other full guide episodes to this wonderful city. So if you want to experience the best of the Paris art scene, you're in the right place. Let's go back to the artist city. Circa. Love the world you live in and we'll help you explore it. The 7th arrondissement, Le Musée d'Orsay. In the first part of our series about art in Paris, we explored the district spanning the Louvre in the very center of Paris, up to the arty and picturesque Saint-Germain district. Now we're going to head west along the banks of the Seine into Paris's fancy 7th arrondissement. Here, you will find a very famous museum located in what was once a train station. The Musée d'Orsay contains the world's largest collection of Impressionist art and the space itself is stunning. You can see the back of the old Art Nouveau station clock face and the grand entrance hall that was once the station concourse. Remember to gaze up. You can marvel at the contrast of the huge glass roof with a delicate selection of sculptures from the 19th century. Make sure you visit the small but stunning collection of Van Gogh paintings and stop a while at his self-portrait. It was completed in 1889, shortly before the artist died by presumed suicide. The painting is so beautiful and sad that you will wish you could tell him that his work is now on display and much adored here in this prestigious National Art Gallery. Among all the dazzling Impressionist works, make sure you also check out the impressive collection of stunning Art Nouveau furnishings. If you are feeling inspired, continue south to visit the Rodin Museum with works by the famous sculptor from the 20th century. Here you will find both Kiss and Thinker, which are details of the sculptor's monumental Gates of Hell work, depicting scenes from Dante's Inferno. The Kiss, 
which shows a couple in a lover's embrace, was considered shocking at the time of its creation in the late 1800s. Not because of the nudity, but rather because of the female partner's return desire in her pose, rather than pure submission. Quelle horreur! It's undeniably captivating and sensual work, which still makes an impact today. Meanwhile, the thinker is a heroic depiction of a nude male in deep contemplation. On the grand sculpture of the Gates of Hell, which you can also see in the museum, the thinker sits above the scene contemplating it all. It is thought by many to represent Rodin himself and is widely used to depict philosophers and intellectuals in general. When he first emerged on the scene in the latter half of the 19th century, Rodin's expressive technique went against the grain of sculpting tradition. In fact, he was rejected three times when he applied to train as a sculptor at the École des Beaux-Arts. His unique style set him apart and eventually made him a kind of godfather to modern sculpture. Once again, an outsider makes it in Paris by doing things differently. Remember this. This mansion house and its peaceful gardens is one of the most chilled museums in Paris. It's a great place to get a bit of artistic inspiration on your journey and take a welcome pit stop from the city's faster pace. The 8th Arrondissement Le Théâtre des Champs-Élysées. Okay, time to put on your glad rags. We're off to one of Paris's grandest venues for a classical music concert, located on the ultra-swanky Avenue Montaigne in the heart of the prestigious Golden Triangle. Built in the 1920s, this was the first Art Deco building in Paris and attracted performances from famous stars of the day, notably Josephine Baker. Baker was a girl from a poor family in St. Louis, Missouri, who sought her fortune in Paris and became the city's most loved performer. At one point, her popularity was so high that there was a nightclub named after her and all the Parisian women would ask for la coupe à la Joséphine, or the Joséphine haircut. Like Picasso or Dali, she came to Paris an outsider and was transformed into a legend. In 2021, Baker was awarded the honor of being Panthéonisé, or commemorated in the iconic Pantheon building. This is the resting place of the greatest and most revered figures in French history, such as Victor Hugo and Jean-Jacques Rousseau. These days, the Champs-Élysées Theatre has a roster of classical concerts. Now, a few tips for snagging tickets like a local. Number one. If you see a sign at the theatre that says location, that really means box office. 
Number two, you can ask your hotel for help with the reservations. Maybe you will have a dedicated concierge who can help you bag great tickets at the last minute, but you can also ask the front desk for help calling a particular venue to help make sure you get the tickets you want. Number three, you can also reserve most shows in the legendary Parisian department store FNAC or the official website. Number four, to grab a discount ticket, you can try the Kiosk Theatre ticket booths. You may queue, but you will be rewarded with half-price tickets. Find the kiosks at Montparnasse, Madeleine and Place des Ternes. We will link you in the show notes. Tickets go on sale for the same day at 12.30 p.m. Come at midday on the dot to get a good place in line. The Ninth Arrondissement, le Musée de la Vie Romantique. In this very pretty Ninth Arrondissement, just a little northeast from the city center, you will find the Museum of the Romantic Life. It is not a museum about dating, but one dedicated to the artistic movement of Romanticism. It set down a side road in the picturesque neighborhood once known as New Athens, a haven for artists and writers like Eugène Delacroix. Located inside a pretty stone house with a trellis archway and colorful garden, you will think you've been transported to the French countryside. Get wonderfully lost in a maze of exquisite rooms preserved to look like ornate 19th century parlors. Luminaries like writer Georges Sand and Frédéric Chopin would come here for regular literary salons. On the walls, you will find sumptuous portraits and landscapes and sculptures in the romantic style. Stop for a cup of tea and slice of cake in the charming glass roof cafe run by Rose Bakery, a Franco-British eatery much loved by the locals. You will find their main addresses on nearby Rue des Martyrs. The 10th arrondissement, le Canal Saint-Martin. Let's make a quick stop in the 10th arrondissement, a neighborhood which is known primarily for Paris's train station Gare du Nord and Gare de l'Est. Not many people know that you will also find a cool, creative and lively area around the Canal Saint-Martin. The canal, filled with quaint footbridges and bohemian cafés, is a short 10-minute walk from either Gare de l'Est or République metro stations. Visit one of the hood's many art stores where you will find a great selection of art books for kids and adults, an adorable stationery, all priced pretty affordably. Atazart is loved by the locals and the owners have been exhibiting street artist work since the turn of the millennium. Today, they also showcase and sell works by local illustrators. Save some room in your luggage. It's a great place for gifts, off the beaten trail. The 11th Arrondissement, 
l'Atelier des Lumières. Let's cross over the canal now to the trendy and lively 11th district. We are going to the Atelier des Lumières, one of my favorite venues in Paris for art. It opened only recently, in 2015, in a converted old warehouse. Classically, this hipster area was once a working-class industrial quarter. The atelier hosts immersive exhibitions where artworks are projected onto the walls of the warehouse, while music plays and you're encouraged to have a more sensory and complementary experience among the artworks. Highlights from the last few years include huge kaleidoscopic projections of artists like Van Gogh and Dali. Book ahead through the official site link in the notes and afterwards, grab a drink in the area. It's one of the best in Paris for going out. Try the nearby clown bar as a tribute to our friend Marcel Marceau. The 12th arrondissement, le Musée des Arts Forains. Okay, now we're going to the 12th district over in the east of the city. I am taking you to one of Paris's most special and enchanting museums, le Musée des Arts Forains. The Museum of Fairground Arts. Visits are by appointment only. We'll link you to the website. Inside this converted warehouse, you will find a Victorian manège or merry-go-round preserved in its full splendor and other whimsical fairground artifacts. And the best bit? You will get to play with it and ride them. Fairgrounds have a real cultural significance in France. Before the age of easy communications, these traveling shows were used as a way to transmit news and gossip around the country. Later, they became the first locations for viewing early cinema in outdoor screenings. They morphed to become more and more about adrenaline fairground rides. And in the last decades, the scene has been absolutely dominated by Marcel Campion, born into a family of fairground workers. He has been a huge part of Parisian public life, fighting for recognition and physical space for his carnival. Today, they're hosted in the Tuileries Gardens by the Louvre in the center of the city in July and August, and the Bois de Vincennes Park to the east of the city in April and May. These carnivals are a truly Parisian experience. The 13th arrondissement, La Place Jean-Michel Basquiat. You could be forgiven for thinking that Paris is a city from a different era, with its grand 19th century architecture, but we certainly have some modern pockets of the city too. For example, there's the built-up area in the 13th arrondissement around Place d'Italie. Here, we have high-rise tower blocks, a huge cinema complex, and the buzzing Station F. A huge warehouse that has been converted into Europe's biggest startup accelerator. If you are a techie or big into startup culture, go check it out. There is a great Italian restaurant inside called La Felicita, 
from the Big Mama group. In this area, you will also find an homage to one of America's most famous modern artists, Basquiat. The plaza, now known as Place Jean-Michel Basquiat, was inaugurated in 2018, the same year as the prestigious Louis Vuitton Foundation Gallery. It ran a blockbuster exhibition of the New York artist's works. The 13th is a diverse district. It's got cute cobble streets and high-rise social housing, traditional French bistros and Paris's biggest Chinatown. It's also a hub for street art, which is why City Hall chose to inaugurate the square here and name it after the artist who became widely known as one of the first underground painters. Bonus address. Famous fashion designer Agnès B. actually chose to open her art gallery and cultural center called La Fab right here. It houses some great contemporary art, including the designer's own collection. The 14th arrondissement, Boulevard Montparnasse and Rue Daguerre. The low-key 14th arrondissement is in the south of the city and has a rich artistic history. The Montparnasse area was the place to be for visual artists at the start of the 20th century. Artists like Picasso and Cocteau lived and worked in this district. Along Boulevard Montparnasse, there's a clutch of grand old restaurants, like the fabulous Art Nouveau La Coupole, dating from the Belle Époque. Back then, these were wild hangouts where rich artists and penniless ones could rub shoulders. Anything could happen. They're much more sage, or better behaved, today. French Nouvelle Vague director Agnès Varda is one of the most underrated directors, in my opinion. She kept making charming, offbeat movies all the way until her death in 2019, at age 90. Anyway, she lived on the Rue Daguerre in the 14th, and she immortalized her quirky little street in the documentary called Daguerreotypes. She made this eccentric film when she had a small baby and couldn't go far from home. So instead, she made a movie in the radius dictated by her 300-foot camera cable. There's still an arty local feel on this little street lined with lively local businesses. The 15th arrondissement, Le Musée Bourdel. Staying in the Montparnasse area, we're heading now to the 15th district, with stretches from here to the far west of the city along the Seine. This is a super family-friendly district. It's not very touristy, so if you want a little breathing time, it's a great place to head with kids. This is the home of another inside-outside sculpture museum, this time dedicated to Antoine Bourdel, Rodin's student who would go on to be the mentor of famed Swiss sculptor Alberto Giacometti. The museum is located in Bourdel's former home and studio, where the artist worked for more than 40 years. 
It's one of the Paris city museums, which means entry to the permanent collection is free. The sculpture studio has been left just as it was, transporting you right back to Belle Epoque Paris. An added bonus? This gorgeous space regularly holds interactive sculpture workshops for families. They're also free if you book in advance. We will link you in the show notes. The only possible catch is that the workshops are in French, mais bon. But this is a pretty fun way to learn the language. Hi everyone, Circa's recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The 16th arrondissement, the Louis Vuitton Foundation. Let's head to the west side of the city and cross the river to the Bois de Boulogne Park, one of Paris's lungs along with the Bois de Vincennes. Right on the edge of the wood sits the monumental Louis Vuitton Foundation. Yes, Louis Vuitton, like the luxury bags, but don't get confused, this is not a shopping location. It's an excellent modern art museum that was funded and founded by Bernard Arnault. He is the CEO of the huge luxury goods conglomerate, LVMH, or Louis Vuitton Moetensi. So basically, Louis Bags, Champagne, and Cognac built this museum. You'll notice first its beautiful glass and metal wings feature, which was designed by superstar architect Frank Gehry. The use of daring architect like Gary was a bold statement of intention. This would be a modern building for modern art. The intention is to keep Paris relevant as not only the home of sumptuous historic art, but also vibrant artistic innovation. I have never been to an exhibition here that I didn't enjoy. They are always impressive and thoughtfully put together, and some artwork that the museum's management manages to land is stunning from Warhol to Chagall. And the space is just gorgeous, thanks to Gary's inventive design that plays with light creating a whole different visual experience depending on the season and time of day. The 17th arrondissement, Art 42, the first street art museum in France. Even though the west of the city is legitimately and predictably fancy, I'm going to take you to a place you wouldn't associate with this side of town. Art 42 is housed inside École 42, an innovative coding school. 
The idea is that anyone can get in and go there for free as long as they do the work, regardless of their background or experience. The ethos is similar for the art museum. It's all about street art. It's a far cry from the Louvre and the Académie des Beaux-Arts. The French street art scene is all about people deciding to make art for themselves, using the city surrounding them as their canvas. It is very often political in nature or makes a social commentary. Often, it also gives voices to minorities and very often it satirizes power and the people that wield it. Here you will find work by British graffiti artist Banksy and legendary French street artist C2015, known for his whimsical color portraits of people and animals and his rebellious spirit. This gallery has even started collecting NFTs. During your time in Paris, you are bound to see street art, whether you're strolling along the Canal Saint-Martin or restaurant hopping in Léal district. Look out for Captain Haddock making out with Tintin on the Rue des Petits Carreaux. For true connoisseurs, there's the urban art fair at the Carreau du Temple in the Marais. Here, you can buy affordable pieces from up-and-coming artists from Paris and beyond, as well as enjoy live paintings and performances. Oh, and keep kids and teens entertained with the Flash Invaders app, where you can collect all the works you see by 80s-inspired mosaic artist Invader. They are everywhere. There are just shy of 1,500 of them in Paris. Just look up. When you spot one, aim your phone at it and snap a picture and it will be added to your collection in the delightfully retro app inspired by vintage arcade games. The 18th arrondissement, Montmartre. There is no area more synonymous with art in Paris than this one. Full disclaimer, it's also the home turf of our writer Hannah Meltzer, so she is definitely biased. This hilltop village for the longest time was considered a country outpost and not part of Paris itself at all. When the Romans came here, they placed a temple right on the top where the Sacré-Cœur is today. They even marched heretics up there for execution, including Saint-Denis, the patron saint of France. The road they marched became known as Road of the Martyrs and it runs up the front of the hill today. The area became known as Mount of the Martyr or Montmartre. In Roman times, wine was growing here. You will find the last remaining vineyard in Paris, in the backyard of the Musée de Montmartre, where we begin our journey of Montmartreois artistic exploration. This was the one-time studio of Jean Renoir and later the home and studio of legendary Montmartre artiste Suzanne Valadon. 
This woman may not be as famous as her male contemporaries and mentors, Toulouse-Lautrec and Edgar Degas, but she was a total icon. She was born in Paris to a poor washerwoman before joining the circus at age 14. She injured herself practicing her flying trapeze act and had to make other plans. She became first an artist model and then, after observing them at work, a painter herself. Inside this charming museum, you'll find her apartment and studio as it was in the late 1800s and a great selection of her works. I especially love her resting self-portraits. Degas, known for his evocative paintings of ballet dancers, was not known to be the nicest of fellows, but he was a great champion of Valadon. He was the first to buy one of her drawings, pronouncing, you are one of us, meaning the boys of Impressionism. That day I had wings, Suzanne said. Eventually, she would support her whole family with the proceeds from her art. She bought a dilapidated chateau in the south of France where she held wild parties. But she never forgot her early life of poverty and she always tipped big and was a generous patron of disadvantaged kids. On the same street as the Musée de Montmartre, you will find the house of Eric Satie. The French composer, known for his light yet haunting melodies, like in the famous Gymnopédie. The young Satie was Suzanne Valadon's boyfriend for a brief time and fell madly in love with her. Penniless at the time, Satie had to share a pair of trousers with his roommate, a fellow pianist. Each time one of them had a gig, they got the pants to wear. He gifted Suzanne a necklace of saucisson, or cured sausage, the only jewels his miserable income could afford. When she ended their relationship, leaving him for a wealthy stockbroker, he attached a sign to the front of his door, the door that still stands at 6 rue Corteau. Along with a lock of his former lover's hair, he wrote, My love affair with Suzanne Valadon ended on Thursday 20th of June. Imagine that. Just around the block, keep your eyes open for Le Lapin Agile. What looks like a little orange cottage is one of the area's most legendary historic cabarets. Picture it. Valadon, Lautrec and Impressionist pals used to come here and drink into the early hours. Apparently... She would enter bars in a cart pulled by a donkey or end the night dancing naked around the joint. This was Bohemian Montmartre at its peak where the only rule was the supremacy of love, authenticity and creativity. It's no coincidence that this area was the site of the Paris Commune, a two-month-long rebellion in the 1870s during which Montmartre declared itself independent. The insurrection ended up in a bloody battle. After, the Sacré-Cœur Church was intended as an imposition of establishment, order and power. 
But this remains an offbeat district, and you will still meet some Montmartrois who identify as communards, or children of the commune. I particularly like the story of Suzanne Valadon because it shows once again how art allowed someone extraordinary and from humble beginnings to rise to the very summit of French society thanks to just her creative gifts. This is what is so special about Paris. The 19th arrondissement, Le 104. And now, for something completely different. Let's head to the 19th arrondissement, a diverse and offbeat section of northern Paris where lots of everyday Parisians live. Along railway tracks and high rises, you'll find the 104, a huge public art center housed in a former industrial warehouse. On entry, a broad atrium houses an exciting rotation of local and contemporary art and architecture. All high ceilings and iron beams. It all matches the nearby railway depot around Gare de l'Est. Inside, you'll find vast halls whose historical use couldn't be further from their current one. For over 100 years, this was the site of the city's funeral services. In the first hall, the caskets were prepared, carriages were stored in the second hall, and the basement level was a giant complex of stables for 300 horses. Today, these once quiet halls are filled with youth and life. In the huge hangar-like space, locals practice street dance, juggling, gymnastics and breakdancing, while the atmosphere is relaxed and joyful. There's also a regular schedule of theater and dance performances, and the space flexes as an incubator for startups, a location for writer residences, local markets, and more. Check out the listings in the show notes. If you're a fan of a secondhand bargain, be sure to drop into the boutique Emmaüs. Emmaüs is kind of like the French Goodwill, a charity thrift store with a lovely curated range of vintage threads, accessories and homewares. Stop at the low-key cafe for a light lunch or a quick coffee. By the way, this is a super kid-friendly space. Check the website before you go to see the program of family-centered cultural events and workshops. The 20th arrondissement, La Bellevilloise. We've made it all the way around the spiral of Paris's arrondissement, and now we're in the 20th, a bohemian quarter right out in the east of the city. This is the home of one of my favorite venues in Paris, La Bellevilloise. This is an awesome spot to catch a live concert in the gorgeous main dining room, complete with real growing olive trees. There's jazz and funk performances, including regular jazz brunches, where you can enjoy a live band with a side of a pretty damn good all-you-can-eat buffet. Plus, there are DJ nights spanning everything from Afrobeats to old-school Naughties classics and often art exhibitions, including the annual Affordable Art Fair. 
We'll share all the details in the show notes. This event is held in cities throughout the world, and the idea is to make the world of art and art collecting accessible to everyone by bringing together artists based on their merit to sell their work directly to the public. Works range from 50 to 5,000 euros, and there are no dealers or gallerists involved. Even the venue doesn't take a cut. So the money goes straight into the artist's pockets. Okay, so it wouldn't be an episode about the arts in France without a little encore. We have toured the whole of Paris from west to east, north to south. I hope I've succeeded in convincing you of two things. One, in Paris, artistic expression is simply everywhere. Whether it's the carefully hung works of the revered grandmasters, joyful street art, a DJ set, or a mime artist. And two, there is something about the unique alchemy of Paris that means anyone can come here and be transformed into an artist. From Leonardo da Vinci to Marcel Marceau, Josephine Baker to Suzanne Valadon, Pablo Picasso, Vincent van Gogh, Marc Chagall. And now perhaps that includes you. Vive la Bohème! for listening to our Paris Art Episode 2. Make sure you check out the other Paris episodes in this guide for more dives into the city's food scene, the fascinating love story between Paris and jazz pioneers, and a closer look at the French aesthetic. Whether you're just heading to Paris right now, sometime in the near future, or would just like to learn all about a place we truly love, you'll get instant access to the full guide plus new episodes on a regular basis when you subscribe to Circa. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or download the Circa app, where you can also get pictures and maps and notes on this episode and more. Maybe you'll want to sample our guides for Rome, Iceland, New York, LA, and many, many more. Circa. Love the world you live in and will help you explore it.